Hello, everybody, and welcome back to BestballProps.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. Show today, we got Birdie. And Nico. What's going on, everyone? <laughs> yes, if you couldn't tell from that intro, it's going to be a weird show where Birdie is the most down and the most positive person on the recording. <laughs> rare occurrence. A very rare occurrence. I don't know if it's happened. <laughs> but yeah, so today we're going to take a look at uh, the first volume of the Terry Moore series, Rachel Rising. And for some of the background on this and explaining of what this is, I'll pass it off to Birdie, because this was very clearly his choice. Well, not just my choice. I basically had just said, Nico, pick a Terry Moore book, because he's read more of them than me. And he made the suggestions, and we went to the one that, having read all the options he suggested, it's the easiest to read. Well, alrighty then. So, most Terry Moore is the indie, like the is he the most indie writer we've talked about, Nico? Because these books we're talking about, they're not even image indie books. These are no. self-published, in the back yeah. of the shelf, forgotten indie books. We've never talked yeah. about a book that was published by the writer's wife. Okay. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, this abstract uh, studios, I think, yeah, is his, his own self-publishing kind of... Um, I mean, it, he bounced around back in the day, but yeah, now he's kind of landed through this this uh, this label and is self-publishing it. But yeah, it's got to be one of the more indie things we've definitely talked about on the channel for sure, at least in some time. There may have been some issues of things that slipped through the cracks on our our weekly or our, um, our kind of bi-weekly shows or whatever we used to do back in the day. But yeah, uh, but yeah, it, it, more more so in terms of like actually buckling down and like reading like a whole gra um, a graphic novel. This is probably the one of the more indie stuff we've done in recent memory yeah because even like when we go vertigo or image that's not really essentially like that's more indie side of those publishers for sure and image is kind of like a a bit of everything right in that sense but it's more more popular writers that are known that usually go over to image and and kind of distribute yeah, their own so create, like, create our own create yeah. our own stuff for sure yeah right? this was yeah. this was my thinking as i was reading this most image books, with a few exceptions, uh, one of which I think is the next book we're talking about. I don't know if that guy did work for Marvel before he did Image. But um, most image writers, as far as I can tell, the big ones worked for the big two, Marvel and DC, and then just went to Image to do their own stuff that was not within the Marvel or DC setup. Which, fair. Yeah, that That's was perfectly fair. Yeah, yeah, that was always kind of like the pitch that I understood of image. It was just like Marvel and DC have their big massive extended universes with every once in a while, things kind of coming out of there that are a little bit out of the norm Image is all that like yeah. even with yeah, superhero stuff. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the Marvel and DC like method. Yeah. I mean, obviously from the nineties, it started out as a more creator uh, owned focus of superhero type books of, of artists that were very popular at Marvel that went over there and created it. Yes. But then I think since, you know, 
Yeah, you know, since probably like uh, as early as like you know mid two thousands, like you um, you know going into the two thousand tens, like with the success of like Saga with Brian K. Vaughn going over there, it's been more focused for successful creators from the big two that have gone over there. And honestly, have have, have um, it's it's actually been their prime place to put out projects now. Like we have we've had a lot of big name writers like the Brewbakers and the Rick Remenders and stuff that worked at Marvel now that just primarily put stuff out through Image now. Like they don't, they don't do big two work anymore, right? Yeah. So, whereas what it, it Terry, yeah. Whereas what Terry Moore is, the Terry Moore model. I can only think of two relatively well-known successes in the Terry Moore model that I'm felt more aware of. One is uh, uh, Dead. What's the guy who does Johnny the Homicidal Maniac? Um, Jonan Vasquez. Johan Vasquez. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So him or Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. <laughs> which if somehow you don't know who those two names are teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah they are the yeah. they are the creators and i think at this point like safe to say you know very controlling overlords of the tmnt brand well it's mainly just laird because apparently kevin eastman sold his shares of the property rights of tmnt to laird so it's just peter laird yeah but even then fucking eastman's still involved in a lot of shit yeah, that's true. That's true. He's often a creative voice still. But yeah, like, the I mean, overall I mean, management like, of the brand is still Peter Laird. Yeah. Like, I think the new TMNT and other strangeness, like, TTRPG reprint Kickstarter has a bunch of shit from Eastman in it. E- Eastman still regularly, um, like, uh, co-writes and plots, uh, even the, some of the new IDW stuff, actually. The Last Ronin, which has been very popular popular for them. It's actually Lair these days that's not really as involved. Lair sold off his share of the Turtles stuff like years ago in terms of like, like he's come back I think as well for Last Ronin, like at least in terms of like uh, uh, you know, uh, pitching ideas I think for it and stuff like that, but he doesn't uh, draw anything anymore he, uh, Peter Laird, but yeah, he was he was more the businessman out of those two for sure uh-huh. of him and Kevin Eastman <laughs> So yeah, but, my yeah. reason for bringing that up is that Terry Moore is more in that model where his successes are entirely outside the mainstream comic book industry. It's just that, unfortunately, compared to Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, who could buy multiple countries, he has not been all that <laughs> successful. Yeah, no. Rachel Rising and Strangers in Paradise do not seem like the like do not seem like the most marketable of books. Well, yeah, because for one thing, and this is one of the big things I like about these books, which I'll go into more as we get into it. I love how just sort of casually gay they are. Yeah, like, there's nothing explicit in this, but you definitely do get the feel that, like, yeah, any second, like, like half these characters feel gay. Yeah, and this is actually, Rachel Rising is one of the less gay Terry Moore books, because I've read Strangers in Paradise. <laughs> that, book, that book starts gay and struggles with the main gay character deciding if she's gay or straight, so. Well, alrighty then. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so, uh, Rachel Rising... I don't know where I was going with that. Let's get into the book. Actually, before we get into the book, over since Dead, you're as far as I know the only person who hasn't had that much Terry Moore experience in his like indie stuff. What was your reaction overall? It was pretty good. All right. Yeah, it felt like yeah, it felt like this. I'll take that. Yeah, like it. It felt very. It felt very just kind of matter of fact about what was happening. Just didn't didn't really get like a whole lot of big reactions of what is actually going on. Just kind of hey, this happened. Fuck, that's weird. Moving on. Yeah. And it feels like setup. It feels like this. It feels like this like first issue. These first like uh, seven issues, I think. 
Yeah, six or seven. I can't remember the exact number. But yes, I think it's okay. This first volume is largely setting up what's going to be coming next because it's just kind of things happen. People kind of react like, oh, that's weird. And then move on. Don't really explain what's happening, which that's fine. This is this feels this feels like a mystery book kind of at the heart of it. And so having so having that having the mystery set up be just this is what's happening. Let's fucking figure it out. That can take a bit to get going. I know this is like 40 some issues. Yeah, I think this is the second longest series outside of Strangers in Paradise. I think Echo yeah, so, close to uh, this much, but not as much. Yeah, so Strangers in Paradise, because that one I collected all of. Uh, so, f- fun story. This is, 2023 has been the year of Terry Moore for me. Like, I'm a fairly new convert, but I am a convert to the Terry Moore, so I'm going to be collecting all of their books. But what basically happened was... Uh, when I was up in Canada, I had a day where Nico was working, so I couldn't hang with him. So I was finishing some stuff around town, and I hung out in my hotel. And I brought a comic with me to read, which was the first volume of Strangers in Paradise. I read all, I think, 250 pages in 30 minutes. <laughs> and as I finished, I called Nico and said, please tell me you have more Terry Moore in your store, because going to his comic shop was part of the itinerary and Nico sadly was like, Oh yeah, good. Yeah. My boss is trying to get rid of it. He doesn't like Terry Moore. So we're just trying to get rid of these books. Um, not my boss. Uh, to be fair, what actually happened was when we went by the store, a coworker of mine was kind of like, get that out of here because it doesn't sell. And, and that's what was kind of said. Like, and he, and he himself is not a fan of Terry Moore either. But that notwithstanding, that that is the reason, though, is because we had a lot of these singular volumes that Bertie ended up picking up that day for quite a while on the shelf, and they just weren't selling. Because I feel like, again, if someone doesn't suggest a Terry Moore book to somebody, I don't think it's going to, it's it, you know, people don't seek him out, I feel like, or are aware of him very much, right? Yeah, so like, going back I, I think, to what you were saying. Like, I think I'd seen the, like, abstract or, like, the Terry, like, uh, any of, like, some Terry Moore stuff from just, like, looking around at stuff but i never actually grabbed any of it just because i hadn't heard the name hadn't heard the title hadn't heard of the publisher and so, yeah, I, was, and so I, was just I, like, had, I had the long i had the other option the other extreme of that is until i read strangers in paradise my exposure to terry moore was his not very good runaways run with marvel <laughs> which i don't think is his fault i think that's more marvel editorial's fault because as a Runaways fan, did you know that after Brian K. Vaughn's run, they had no idea what the fuck to do with the Runaways? Yeah, no, they but, just kind of uh, they just kind of <laughs> made shit up as they went along, and then it was like, all right, we're introducing these new characters. Hey, they're dead. You know, also like I feel like at least in my from my experience, like I had always heard about his stuff, but. Oh. Truth be told, Strangers in Paradise was not something that drew me into reading it based off of what it was about, about people and like, you know, essentially I, I can like see a, that a, poly, because, a, poly, uh, a polyamorous relationship with each other for the well, most part. Well, okay, you're, you're and, underselling and, it a little there, Nico. But no, but like there is other things in Strangers in Paradise once you really get into it. Like by the time it came out, it felt like I'm sure it was progressive and, and new and fresh at that time. But like it's not something I would normally gravitate towards because it sounded like a relationship type book where I'm just like, OK, yeah, whatever. But then I mean, 
I heard I heard he had as, as a superhero book, and he has this book, which is his horror book. So, like, when I ended up reading these, I went back and read Strangers in Paradise after I read yeah. these books, right? Yeah, so, okay. Like, so, <laughs> I need to add little detail to Nico's description of even, like, the early issues of Strangers in Paradise, not even the later ones. Like, yeah, it starts out that the main character, uh, what is what is her, uh, Kachu? Kachu, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which everyone, I think, in the book makes the bless you joke, and then she punches them. But uh, she is perfectly happy in her lesbian relationship with her trashy friend who has an ex-husband who sucks. Until a artsy guy comes into her life and just declares, I'm in love with you, I'm going to win your heart. She's like, and he, she's like, dude, I'm gay. And he's like, that's fine, I'll work on it. And that by that description, you should hate that character. But she grows to love him. So then she's stuck with, am I, who am I in love with? The woman or the man? Oh, and yeah. also, I stole $180 million from the mob and they're coming after right. me. That's the other interesting <laughs> hook where people don't really talk about. And then there's all that weird stuff in her past and the agency that she worked for and everything else. And then there's a whole other side of that book and world that people don't really pitch when they're telling you about that book. That's what I mean. So, like, even when I heard about it, it didn't sound like something, honestly, that appealed to me. All, all and and But I heard, you know, a lot of women like the book title. So I, I ended up telling uh, my girlfriend to maybe because she was trying to get into mm-hmm. comics. Hey, maybe. Maybe you'd like this book. Yeah, so she is a lovely person. It. I met her yeah, when I was up there. You. She's a lovely person. <laughs> sure. But she, 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 I met her before Nico because Nico was having trouble getting out of work. <laughs> she had, she took me to the restaurant. That's right. So so we so she ended up reading it and she's like, you know what, you might like this. There's some good stuff in it. I really enjoyed it. So I ended up reading his other stuff and then I went back eventually and read it. And at this point, I've read everything he's done, right? So like it is worth like checking out, but I would say gravitate towards the title of his that sounds like the most interesting to you, and then kind of check out the other things, honestly. Although I will say I um I think the book we're talking about today is his simplest of the ones that you could read because dead you just heard my description and nico for once backed up the birdie description of strangers in paradise so it's not just complete bullshit and it's it gets more complicated from there yeah. i i love echo but even explaining the premise of echo makes my head hurt even if it's a really good book and motor girls is is equally as strange although i love that book too Strangely enough, the one that we're talking about today, given its premise, is the simplest to understand. <laughs> and which is funny too, because like Dead mentioned already, this volume kind of leaves you with nothing but questions by the end of it, because there's it sets yep. up a lot of interesting things that kind of reveal. And, 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 and not, right, and, but, I will say, yeah. it doesn't leave you with questions in that it's poorly written. You know, no, it's, it's it leaves just you with a bunch of questions in that it's a mystery getting started. Yeah. As I said, yeah, th- things are being set up. Things are being, uh, like, th- th- yeah, things are being set up in terms of, like, what is actually happening around here. And, yeah. it, and you know, because it is now, yeah, because it's being set up, you can't really get into explanations of what everything is. Yeah, if I could say something out, out the gate, like, uh, about this, revisiting this book, because I haven't read it in some time. Uh, by the end of it, I wanted to continue reading. Like, I need, oh, I was I like, I kind of... Uh, 
Yeah, I was like, I kind of need to know what happens next again. Now, I haven't continued because, like I said, I've read it before. I may at some point, but it, it did I, leave me with, with a lot of things where I'm just like, it does make the reader. It kind of sucks you in and you want to be like, I, I'm I need currently to what's going on here, right? I'm currently sitting 15 feet away from volume two. And uh, I already told Nico last night that I ordered the three volumes I did get, which I should have gotten when I was up there also because they were some of them were available and they would have been easier to get across but that was my sickly day and also i was trying to get a a bag across the customs uh borderline that would go over the airline limit but <laughs> i will get the rest of terry moore's books because i love terry moore but yes to your point nico i did feel like i wanted to immediately read volume two when i was done with this one yeah well alrighty then let's get into now the book itself and I do kind of want to start with the covers, which you don't normally talk about. Oh, I love this cover. The, I love this cover. <laughs> I mean all the covers, because all the covers follow a very similar um, color palette. All just, all just like flat greens, reds, and blacks. And mm -hmm. that is the only time there is color in this series, because it's all black and white. This is like, this is the indiest yeah. of indie shit. Yeah, I mean, like, Terry Moore does occasionally get his work colored, but a lot of his work I've read is black and white. And uh, I don't mind. Yeah, no, I don't it, care. The, the black and white works really well for this book. Like with the tone it's going for, the black and white really helps. Like, really helps it sit in a. It really helps like set a mood for it. And also, it kind of helps with some background issues that I have. Like, like with a lot of stuff, I will bring up like, "Hey, yeah, here's a background, and it's just a fucking blank wall of nothing." Woo, let's go, baby. You know, because th that yeah, well, that, yeah, that, yeah, like, like, uh, that is a way to like save money on you know art, I guess. Yeah, like I'm looking at one of his uh, wide shots of like a car leaving the town of Manson where the story takes place. And the hills beyond a certain point of the car are just like shaped squiggly lines. So, yeah, I get that. But the stuff that's in detail in black and white is really, really good. So, yeah, and I, 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 I and I get interrupted my point, Bertie. Like, yeah. with it being in black and white, I think it works better for having the background just be, you know, simple, like, just full black or full white, mm -hmm. because there's not really going to be a whole lot of detail, because, like, what we, like, we'll get into it as we kind of go along, but, like, as things kind of get further and further out from the point of, like, point of focus of the panel, the detail will just kind of get, like, vaguely dimmer and dimmer until it's just kind of just the pure whiteness of it. Or the pure blackness of it, and I think that works with this thing of like having of like ha like basically drilling in the focus. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, you're right. And I want to add you know one my favorite detail because this comes up early in the book. Um, Dead, feel free to disagree or agree. Uh, I love that even with the black and white, I can kind of tell what color Rachel's eyes are when she gets out of the grave. Yeah, the the coloring on that is the, like the shading on that is great. I, I, you know, it's interesting what what Dad's saying, and I agree. Uh, it's, but it's interesting just because I feel like um, Terry Moore is uh, got a very like fine line, like his like pencils, like uh, yes. his pencils, like his actual like um, work isn't very detailed and quite loose. I think as, even as the years go on, but I would argue that it, while it's simplistic, um, it, it's it, this book uh, actually, at least in a lot of the sequences uh, in this first volume is 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 probably more detailed than he normally is because like there's a lot of cross hatching going on he's like noodling a lot oh, yeah, like it's it, the, even the, if it's like 
Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get there. But there's this one. There's yeah, like yeah. A, there's like a handful of fucking pages in one issue where the cross hatching is just fucking ridiculous. But that's the thing. Like normally he doesn't really go to that extent on most of his other projects. Where I feel like it's very apparent in this. I, and I I don't I can't recall if he continues to do that throughout this series. But in this series. There's a lot more, I think, in terms of, like, whether or not you want to call that detail because he's kind of just noodling around with, in terms of, like, the actual lines on the page. <laughs> but there's a lot more line work here than on most of his other art, I feel like, that I've seen. So, like, it's it, it was interesting because, like, if you read his most recent book that came out, it's very, very, very fucking loose, which is, like you said, in other scenes in this kind of more so apparent, right, in this book, yeah. right? So, like, yeah, anyways, but go on. Yeah, so let's get into it. Issue one. We start with a blonde woman going to see another blonde woman dig herself out of a grave. Yeah. And not going to lie, first time I read this, I thought that was Rachel watching Rachel crawl out of her grave. Yeah. That's, it, yeah. I can see you that. Just, you just tapped into my only other problem with his art style. He draws really some good looking women, but he's only got like a handful of them, honestly. Like, there's, there, in some of his books, it's hard to. T tell sometimes who the character is especially because it's in black and white and there's a lot of tall statuesque blondes in some of his books yeah, well, like, yeah, honestly, and, uh, it's, it's difficult this one i'm more okay with because they set up a plot point that even in this early setup issue kind of i feel like okay that's probably where this is going so this specific one i don't mind but i do agree with the criticism yeah, like, it doesn't yeah. help that, like, the first time we see her, she's also wearing a turtleneck. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, maybe to hide a fucking strangulation mark. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, as uh, this woman, Rachel, crawls out of a fucking, like, shallow grave, uh, smoke kind of billowing out of her fucking mouth, uh, she crawls out, makes her way to the highway, and just tries to get home. Uh, managed to meet one dude who, based on what we see later about some stuff, probably one of the, probably one of the few decent people. Just, just like pick her up on the side of the road, takes her home. Nothing wrong with that, in, ter in terms right. of like him trying anything, which I was expecting, honestly. Yeah, no, it was it was weird. Usually, the like the the lucky stranger who comes along is probably like creepy now, but no, no, just nice guy. I, yeah, just like which holy is honestly, crap, this woman's probably very badly hurt. <laughs> she needs help. <laughs> Which, which honestly, Dad, it's interesting you picked up on that right away because it is a warranted feeling throughout this series because it does talk about a lot of predatory stuff, right? Yeah. Like, and, and so, like, it's it, but yeah, it kind of does give you that moment even at the start there where you're like, oh no, I don't know about this guy. And it turns out he really was just concerned because, yeah, look at the state of her, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Just, just no shoes, black dress, covered in fucking wounds and dirt and mud, eyes fucking just blood red. And a very obvious and a very obvious rope mark around her neck. As she gets in and tries remembering what happened. Uh, she does not know how she got in that grave or what happened there. She knows that she was strangled. There's a we had a couple panels of her like trying to fight off a guy with a rope. Uh, but that's about the information we get of it. We don't get any more we don't get any detail about what the guy is, just I say guy. It's basically just a human shaped silhouette with one eye. And that's the main setup yeah. of that. As we also get a bit of a flashback about what she did before going there, which was meeting her friend Jet and getting hit on by some weird old man with a bad eye. Yeah, with creepy old dad jokes on top of it. Which her, her friend, he was like, no, don't Cre let him. Uh, creepy old <laughs> uncle jokes, please. <laughs> it's Uncle Ray. Yow. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. 
yeah, as uh, Rachel heads off to go find Jet, her friend. And this is where some of the cross hatching starts, especially with the road. Like, like the road, hills, backgrounds, like all of it, it's all of it's uh, at night. So it's just a lot of like black backgrounds and heavy shading and cross hatching across everything. And it is. God, I'm getting tar- carpal tunnel looking at these fucking panels. Yeah. Yeah. But it gives me the desired effect. Yeah. Yeah. It I does. love how it looks. <laughs> yeah. looks great. As uh, she gets to Jet's place and learns that, hey, I'm missing like two to three days. And talking to Jet's, talking to Jet's family, just trying to figure out where she is. She's playing a show because she's a bass player. Oh, Dead, you skipped an important detail from the end of that chapter. I haven't reached the end of that chapter. Well, you did when you said uh, that you were missing a couple of days. Yes, and then the thing thing that I'm assuming you're going to say is happening after that. I'll let you say it to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah, it happens directly after. Yeah, where where a woman woman comes out and is like, hey, who are you talking to? And he's like, oh, it's Rachel. Can't you see? He's like, that's not Rachel. Uh, that's okay. Yeah, that's so yeah, that that's that sequence of events looked weird to me. Okay, but just whatever. Yeah. Sorry. And that's issue one. But yes, that's issue one. A decent start that leaves yeah. that leaves that leaves you with a lot of fucking questions. I mean, hey, hey, let's remember, we just read three New Fifty Two books. This has a much better hook than two of them. <laughs> that's not saying much. <laughs> I liked. Uh, I did like the whole cold open of her just coming up out of the grave. Oh yeah, the cold open was the strongest. Talk. Her. Yeah, because like, despite the book having no dialogue, like throughout the first half of it, I thought his art really shined in those scenes. And like, and 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 not only that, like it was just an effective kind of like, yeah, like you need to know what the fuck's going on. Like that's it, right? Like yeah. you're like, what 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 just happened here, right? Like yeah, yeah absolutely. It's really yeah. it's really evocative. It really uh, like like. You, like like you said, he doesn't get in, like too much into like detail work, but like the fate, like Rachel's faces throughout this entire sequence are some of the best in the volume from what I've read. Like yeah. she, like like just yeah. the looks on her face, just seeing what the fuck is going on with her and her trying to figure it out, looks fucking great. Yeah, yeah. As we move on from there to issue two, where uh, Rachel goes to talk to her aunt Johnny, who I did not know was her aunt Johnny until about halfway through this issue. Mm-hmm. If yeah. just yeah. I will, I love this character. I love this whole interaction. Yeah, this whole interaction is real fucking like it's real like yeah. eating a sandwich over a dead body kind of interaction. Yeah, or uh the that moment from the thing where uh Wilford Brimley just sticks his pencil into the uh fletchy thing and it's like huh. Yeah. And it licks it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so goes Dr. Johnny, who is a I believe mortician. Yeah, coroner. Uh, coroners don't, coroners don't oh, glue no, your she, eyes she shut. She works with the coroner. Yeah, she's the mortician. That's correct. My bad. Yeah, as. She just talks with the coroner a lot in this. Yeah, as Rachel is, like, trying to explain, hey, what the fuck is going on? I woke up in a fucking grave. Goddamn, talk to me. And Johnny's just like, yeah, what's been going crazy, man? This is fucking weird. My niece fucking <laughs> shows up. I don't know what's going on. Let me just glue this old lady's eyes shut. Because, yeah, for those who don't know, when embalming people, that's what you do. Right. Yep. You glue their eyes shut. You like wire their jaws shut. Pump them full of shit. It's a bad process. Yeah. She's just like talking to. uh, Rachel is talking to Johnny and Johnny is just giving her nothing because she is so convinced that she is insane. Yeah. She's been working too many hours type deal. Right. She spends spends all her (laughs) nights dealing with dead people. She's like, oh, sure. I'm crazy. I've talked to a lot of people in the building after midnight. Buddy Holly, Jack the Ripper, 
baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which which I like. I like as an idea. I I feel like it went on a little a too little long. too long. Yeah, like if I had to comment on anything, I think that. She could have dropped it by the time that she got to the um the car and and noticed that you know like oh there's her car okay this is actually you you know what I mean like, I feel like she like, could I feel like she could have stopped it when Rachel grabbed her shirt and dragged her that too yeah exactly I, there was just a moment where I'm just like okay you can snap out of it now the fact that she actually had to lead her to the hole where she woke up <laughs> yeah. to be like oh my god and then it hit her I was like okay that's a little much yeah yeah <laughs> having Rachel standing in front of her that didn't solve it but a hole in the ground that's a ra- that's a Rachel sized hole right there yeah yeah like I like I like I, I like the idea I just like agree with you it went on a little too long for my liking but yeah and a, and as they're kind of talking uh we also get another you're not Rachel yeah yeah which it's a thing that said I, I don't know if they ever like get into it in this issue I can't remember but or this like volume I can't remember but is that just the thing because like she looks dead no I think um they That's part of it, but I think the bigger reason, which they kind of bring up later when we get to the crazy uh, Emmy who... uh, Well, talks about the Emmy when we get to talk about the Emmy. Don't fucking get ahead of yourself. Yeah, so so we'll get there. I'll I'll mention it when we get there. It's hard to comment on, quite frankly, without getting into what happens after this volume, like, more so. Yeah. 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 All right, yeah, as they hop into uh, Johnny's car, a car that is very old and very cool. And head out to Rachel's grave. Meanwhile, we cut over to a different girl. This girl is named Zoe. We don't know that yet. Awesome. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her sister is out in the car fucking a dude in the driveway. And she's. And as she is like, kind of like trying to get back to sleep, but whatever. She meets that woman who was by Rachel's grave, who then gives her a very disconcerting smile. And we cut back to Rachel and Johnny as they finally make it to Rachel's grave. And this is where Johnny is like, oh, okay, you're here. You're real. All right, cool. Fuck. Yeah, and then it, it, and then it hits her, right? Like, yeah. It, like, she's like, oh, my God. Like, you, you you died? Like, you're here? Like, what's going on? Right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's it just took a bit to get there. Yeah, like, I don't bit. think they should have tried. I don't I like I said, like you like you said, when she grabbed her and then they went to the car, that should have been the 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 last of it. Like she should have realized at that time. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. And then we're back with Zoe. Her sister comes in drunk off her ass and Zoe clocks her in the, head of the fucking frying pan and wraps her head in saran wrap and watches her suffocate. Very abrupt shift in this character. It's yeah. also like again but coming it from just strangers. Keeps like, happening because a lot of stuff <laughs> this character does is just kind of just keeps oh holy shit. <laughs> This this is by far too like I think his darkest book up to this point like because like I don't think you got Echo and Strangers in Paradise while there's violent stuff violence in them nothing like to this degree I feel like that's in this book like with the murdering going on it's <laughs> I mean there's some stuff in Echo that gets close it just doesn't yeah. have the same tonal impact because it's stuff like the character who has a metal weapon fused to her spine shoots a guy's head off and it explodes into bits. Yeah, this so is this is way more horrendous. Yeah. Because like it this isn't quick. No. We, we, there are like four panels of this woman just fucking suffocating. Just trying to breathe, trying to claw this fucking saran wrap off her face and just can't. 
which which again is why I, like I would suggest if this this is the type of book like or like a horror book sounds more appealing to you this would be the first one I would say to check out because while you still get the to- uh, the Terry Moore sensibilities of his character work in this it, 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 there is like a whole different uh, tone to this title than he doesn't really have as much in the other things that he's done yeah so like if that's something that appeals to you I think that's why I've always suggested this to people who I feel like if they like horror I'm like hey maybe check this book out because maybe that'll get them into terry more right that's the way i've always looked at it so uh-huh. yeah yeah uh so as we move on to issue three and we get jet playing a little jazz set in a fucking bar as she sees rachel and is very confused uh before yeah. before rachel i think gets hit on by a bartender and then heads to the bathroom where she throws up rope yeah. and bits of dirt yeah as she washes up another woman comes in and asks her to put on a necklace that she just got from her fiance and Rachel has a vision of her dying very out of nowhere and very confusing to both Rachel and this woman as yeah, uh, this woman gets back to the this woman got back to her fiance who gets up to get her a drink. And hey, that other blonde woman is here and she basically Jedi yeah, mind tricks him into, into wanting to kill his wife. Yeah, this is the moment where I most agree with you about his samey looking statuesque blonde women, because I think both. Hell, uh, Rachel and this woman are in the same panel. It's just Rachel has her back to her in the, one of these panels before she talks to the guy. Yeah. But the, the transition is so abrupt that I almost agree with you. It's like, wait, did she just switch clothes and start talking? Okay, wait, no, it's the other woman. Yeah, and and like the one who got the necklace put on her, once she left, another woman came out of the bathroom and she looks very similar. Yes. Yeah, it's it's kind of an age. It's kind of an like an Ajiro Oda problem, where it's like he's very good at drawing like three kinds right. of women. Well, well, that's the thing. Like he, Terry Moore is really good at drawing women, but yeah, he's got like five models of women, and as far as I'm concerned, because like there's. There's, you know, if you, again, if you continue reading, like, if you were to check out his other books, it's a problem. It is in other titles. Like, there's, especially when there's so many, I mean, like, uh, li- like <laughs> it is, it's a big she, problem. She it's looks hard a lot to tell. like uh, Rachel, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So, he has a type. Like, more so <laughs> than some other artists, he has a type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as this guy's getting red-pilled by a demon or whatever, uh, Rachel heads up and talks to Jet. Uh, just kind of getting, kind of getting like, hey, yeah, I'm Rachel. I'm here. Let's fucking talk when you're done. As Rachel sees that blonde woman heading upstairs, and Rachel falls after her, eventually ending up on the air on the roof where there's nobody, and that and that blonde woman is on a different roof, watching a, watching a house burn off in the distance. As then directly behind her, that woman from the bathroom uh slides down a solar panel and knocks her off a roof, falling her like I think f- at least four stories into a car. I had some issues with the way he portrayed that scene as well. It actually, it was a little confusing until obviously like the next couple of pages when he pans out and you see kind of what happened and maybe that's purposeful, but it's hard to tell how exactly like a person, like where did this person fall on her from? I don't know. I had a, a little bit of an issue kind of reading it. Like, uh, yeah, no, like, like, like even, even like with the wides, it shows where she fell from, but it doesn't show where anybody could like reasonably right. hide or be not be seen from our angle 
more so that yeah that's what i mean but then like again if you do go back you do see them kind of show that roof like there is scenes where you do see the roof and you do see her walk in front of the roof but just looking at those panels where she's standing there and it eventually leads to her getting pushed off it is a little hard to tell what's going on and and as i was referring to with like the way he kind of did like cross hatchling and the noodling and stuff like even looking at this roof all these little like circles that he drew on the roof like it's hard to tell it's even a fucking like roof you're looking at it at one point yeah like, okay so i think like, the, <laughs> so i think like the circle thing it's like the like like like, like lighter gray circles with the white line down the middle yeah. yeah yeah i think those are supposed to be solar panels okay because she mentions well, like in the next issue that yeah some woman fell on the solar panel and knocked me off a roof right so where it, to me it just makes it look like he's trying to fill in detail of some sort on the roof like you the know texture it, of it i thought it was, i thought right? it was like, like some weird like pebbled texture like some weird like rock thing right Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Then maybe that is the case. I didn't actually catch up, uh, uh, catch that the solar panel thing. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a weird like panel to me. It kind of threw me. No, yeah, the panel, the panel on there, uh, sequencing on there is rough, mainly because yeah. it's like so tight. Yeah, yeah. But then we see her fiance who looks over at the blowing on the roof, and she turns back to the fire where we cut to that fire, which is Zoe's house. And she is dragging her sister's body to throw it in the trunk of the car. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's. Just, just the it's like so. It's so matter of fact about it. Yeah, like the, like she doesn't have any expression on her face. She doesn't say anything. She's just okay into the trunk with you. Yeah, like yeah, like like her like you're like having to like close the trunk with a broom and then having to use that same broom to drive because this girl's like <laughs> ten. Yeah, eight, eight, eight to ten. Yeah, I feel I, I, I didn't I didn't mention that one first time. Yeah, she's like eight to ten. Yeah. Moving on to issue four. As we start in the morgue, a place I assume we're going to see a lot of in this series. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah uh, Johnny and Jet are there to identify Rachel's body because, yeah, she fell off the fucking roof. Uh, they get brought back there by this fucking whale of a man. <laughs> I like him. He's actually one of my favorite characters as the book goes on. <laughs> okay. So he shows up regularly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he becomes part of like like the well, people yeah, that you like, actually like, see like, in this volume are the main group essentially. Okay, like, moving like, like, like you yeah. said, Dead, uh, we're in the morgue regularly, so you know we got to talk to the corner a lot. <laughs> yeah, but like pushing daisies another series where they talk, where they get to the morgue a lot, and the corner there is just to go is there just there to go. All right, what's your what's your lie this time? Yeah, okay. Which again, like kind of going against what we said, at least with his um, the uh, the women that he normally has as the main protagonist in his books. This is a very interesting looking character. This guy, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he, he's very different in terms of the model of the character than like any other people in this in this book. Yeah, right? like, like I said, it, Oda. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah good like, call. Yeah, yeah. Like Ajiro Oda, creator of One Piece, has a has characters with a wide array of body types. If they're dudes and then like three, if they're women. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly, that's, that's, that's Terry Moore. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, yes, they give him some time alone to just like be with the body and go like, Oh God, she's sad already. And then she gets up and it's like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> as the corner then comes as the whale man comes well, back actually, in. I, can I just say the line that jet says when she gets up? <laughs> sure. Because that was that. Okay, let me make sure I've got it in front of me so I can say it correctly. Uh, you don't have to yell, dude. by the way. No, I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> Mother married Joseph and the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great line. Yeah, that screaming like brings the morgue attendant back in. Rachel just burps and falls back over. Yeah. 
Oh, that's the other thing I was thinking. It's like, oh, is corpse gas. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking like weird yeah. demon gas. But anyway, yeah. But yeah, her aunt Johnny looks like, oh, just more corpse gas. Freaked us out. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't mention that when we uh, when they were doing the initial in- introduction of Johnny. Um, as they were talking, the corpse Johnny was working on shot straight up and bur- barfed and then fell back down. <laughs> as yeah, they are. As, yeah, they're just kind of they're going over. Um, going over like what happened and how they all got and how like how Rachel fell off the fucking building and they bring up that hey you were the only one found there there wasn't another body as they cut to the other body as the man is dropping her off in the shallow grave ravine I guess so he goes to the exact same spot that uh, Rachel woke up in and st- starts digging a shallow grave for his wife well fiance uh dead did we skip the detail about that area where they found her grave uh fire hill the yeah, yeah, it's like a local, it's like a local, like a uh, spot. They believe it's cursed. Yeah, because the the reason they believe it's cursed is because four hundred years ago, uh, deciding to pull porcano los dos for witches, uh, instead of just setting them on fire or hanging them, they did both, <laughs> and then just left them out on the hill, burning alive and strike and being strangled at the same time. So which yeah. uh, Johnny then uh, asks. Not sure why all of us felt the need to fuck on a mass grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this, you know, uh, <laughs> this town is named uh, Manson, too, yeah. right? Which I don't know if that's mentioned as of yet, but yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah Bertie mentioned it before we got into the book, but yeah, it's... Oh, did he? Oh, my yeah. bad, my bad, go ahead. Yeah, yeah no, Manson, you know. <laughs> I don't feel the need to explain <laughs> Manson. <laughs> yeah, Manson, yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, as this guy's digging the grave, though, um, a snake shows up and burrows into his fiance's corpse mouth, and that freaks him out so much that he just starts screaming and just shoves her face first into the dirt. <laughs> like he tried digging the grave, and then was just like, "Yeah, fuck this! I'm gonna just push her until she's underground." <laughs> as he heads back to his car, which then gets t-boned by uh, by Zoe driving in. Yeah, by the little girl driving with the broom. It's like, and then she's like, "Were well, you gonna help me bury her or what?" <laughs> yeah, just come on, man. <laughs> And he's yeah, like, I, I, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this isn't the weirdest yeah. thing I've done tonight. Yeah, good good stuff. I like how they connected those two kind of storylines right yeah. there. That was, that, was, uh, that was honestly really, really uh, great setup, I thought. Like, those two running into each other. Like, kind of both being kind of led around by whatever whoever that woman is, essentially, right? Like, by putting these, uh, maybe possibly putting these thoughts in their head. Who knows, right? Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. As we then cut back to the morgue, where Johnny effectively breaks down what is happening to Rachel and why it is fucking impossible. Just just going over like every single like medical thing that's wrong with her and why she should not be alive. Including the reason why her eyes are that color. Because she got fucking strangled. Particular hemorrhaging is a thing where like you get strangled and your eyes like pop. If you if you saw the first um Final Destination movie when the guy gets strangled by his tub mm-hmm. drain, by his like tub plug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened there. Which is going to bring a complaint I have when we get to the end. Okay. Yeah. As uh, as uh, yeah, the guy began talking about like what we're supposed to do next. Uh, Rachel just passes out, and Johnny uh calls in a friend. Back at Firehill, they have finished burying uh, yeah, the guy helped uh, Zoe finish burying her sister, and he begin the begins realizing, oh God, what have I done? I'm a fucking monster, and so Zoe grabs a rock and fucking clubs him to death and then buries him herself. Oh, wait, sorry. Clubs him to um, daze him and then begins shoveling dirt in his mouth. Fuck, that is... Cool. There's a there's a cool detail about uh, 
uh, Rachel's death that we'll, when we get to what she remembers, I'll talk about. But there's a reason for that, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, alrighty. Yeah, as Zoe begins uh, trudging back home, uh, meets the blonde lady again out in the field. And yeah, Rachel's evil doppelganger. Yeah. Yeah, as as this as this, uh as Zoe's just like, I want you to just fucking leave and never come back. Back. I don't when want you're here, I keep killing people. Yeah. Yeah, and she and blonde lady's like, What if you need me again? Zoe says, I will never need you again. And then she literally just vanishes between panels. Yeah. As we move on to issue five, Rachel wakes up underneath a bullhead. A entirely too big bullhead to have that <laughs> that low under your that low above your bed. Yeah. Really should have fallen on her face. Yeah, as she heads out into the house and just trying to figure out where she is, what's happening, uh, pot's boiling over on the stove, as Aunt Johnny comes in with her dog, Priscilla. Apparently, she took her dog for a walk after putting water on the burner. You know, responsible. <laughs> but yeah, and so, yeah, so they just kind of begin uh, talking. It's been about 36 hours since her, since she had passed out at the morgue. And the dog, uh, which had been, like, jumping up on her and being like, oh, hey, you're here, blah, blah, blah then begins acting very scared because right. you know dogs and murder dead. yeah well dead yeah dogs <laughs> like... and dead things uh as she as a as johnny just goes about making spaghetti uh talking about uh just, just talking about just like think we'll talk about what's happening at dinner when everything's golden as uh, rachel heads out backyard and i believe this is a i believe this pan- sequence of panels is a callback to issue one where she's like, where uh, Johnny's like, I think I saw Elvis here one night. And then we go to the backyard and we see a tombstone for what presumably a dog named Elvis. Right. And so I think that's what, so I think that's like the response to like Rachel when she sees that, just get a little, like a little like side smirk. Yeah. You gotta like, you like, you gotta like what it says or, too on the tombstone. Yeah, or, she went to, or, she, or Aunt Johnny went to work, saw Elvis Presley while she was working and got a dog the next day and said, huh, I'm going to name you Elvis. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Not sure why. <laughs> yeah, who knows? As Jet comes over, and we learn that hey, Rachel doesn't really feel cold anymore, which we kind of already knew, but hey, you know, confirmation. As as Rachel just tries to like you know push Johnny away, just like hey, we're not, like hey, we're not fucking doing this. I I have I was murdered. Shit's going awful. I don't want you involved, friend. And we get a little bit of background on them, as they apparently made a life and death pact over a pinky promise when they were like thirteen. Yeah, yeah, right. Complete, complete with rhyming couplets, which they even joke about their own stupid rhyming couplets when they. <laughs> think of... <sighs> I love his. I love his character writing. I think that's what's most endearing to me about Terry Moore books is he his just incredibly endearing character writing. Yeah, like, like the dialogue in this has been pretty great. I, I also, what, what's the line? you know, he. He tries to infuse some humor into everything he does, too, as well. And I feel like if some of the humor doesn't work for you, then it might be an issue for some. Yeah. But I, I like it as well. I, I kind of, yeah, endearing's a good word for it. And, and you know, it's just some, some of these scenes are just delightful to see them play out. Like, I think he does have some funny stuff. Some stuff I don't think is as funny. But, like, I, I do uh, I do like a lot of the kind of the stuff that he, 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 he like, the dialogue yeah. between characters. Yeah, yeah like, like these, these characters are making the same jokes Dead was making. It's like... What kind of kids make a pact to the afterlife? Kids who live in Manson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's not necessarily gallows humor, but it is it is I think like very much helps lighten the mood so the book isn't just like horribly depressing. Right. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, which apparently was an issue more had while writing it. 
Like I was, re- I was oh, reading up on some of the, like the background of the book, and apparently Terry Moore was like one of the reasons he canceled the book was just he was too depressed. Ah, okay, I didn't know that one. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so that surprises uh, me. That look, what that means to me is that he was just so invested in the characters, and I've read enough of this book to know how bleak some of it gets. So, uh, okay, so he was just like, "Fuck, I went too dark." <laughs> yeah. So apparently, in 2013, he was talking to Joe Hill, a guy we've talked about on the site a bunch for his work on Lock and Key. Uh, he mentioned in like a Twitter. He, he's con- someone's son. I don't know who. Yeah, he mentioned in a Twitter <laughs> conversation with Joe Hill that like if sales of Rachel Rising had fallen uh, any more than they had at that point, he would have had to cancel the book altogether. But right then, uh, from there, the book lasted for another three years with sales not dropping but not really increasing either. Right. Which yeah. that, and, and I, that's, that, that's true for most Terry Moore books, I think. Yeah, but then yeah. get to 2016. <laughs> And he decided to end it, end it because in addition to the low sales, apparently, quote from the Wikipedia, the constant dark themes in Rachel Rising left more feeling drained. Yeah, you know, you know what's can't, interesting can't about for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what's interesting about that. No, no, I, I get it. It's what's interesting about that too is that after this series and after doing three longer series, Strangers, Echo, and then this, he never came out with another series that's been more than ten issues past this. Yeah. It, he's 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 continued since this series to do shorter uh, series um more focused on um singular new characters or again like revisiting older characters that he's established in these uh in these series pretty much these ones in mortal girl essentially and uh, the ones we mentioned but i just i find that interesting now that he's actually at least kept himself um interested in in terms of co- continuing to do these books but by changing it up into smaller um, short yeah, form stories, smaller which I think is a good not, and not going as dark apparently as he no. went yeah, in not, Rachel Rising. Yeah, and like which is, which is funny considering other stories he's written since have involved like going back in time to Soviet Russia to stop them from starting the time time travel based apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> and probably also like keeping them shorter probably also helps like stretch the budget out on them more because like 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 you've been saying his books don't sell a whole lot, so no, keeping no. them shorter they're able to be like. Be able to be like you know reduce the budget on him as well as like put more budget into individual issues as opposed to like trying to go for a longer form story. Right. Yeah. I think also I think, seems logical. I think he just identified who his audience is and had to accept it because like it's a risky move what he did by combining all of his stuff into saying hey this is and there's always been hints like throughout his series like in Rachel Rising there's a hint of like another character you see from another book I think Echo or, or so, something like shows up like there was always like hints that they all exist within the same world but um after motor girl that was like one of his last books where he kind of introduced like a new character like to his universe and since then like he's kind of just combined it all and said like like it's not very new reader friendly anything he's done since motor girl i would say unfortunately yeah which unfortunately also means like his audience can't grow because no one can really get into his newer books which is a shame because all of his books, at least for me, are excellent. It's just like you said, they're impenetrable at this point. It's just well, I feel like at man. I feel like at this point in terms of like a there's like comic accessibility might not be a better time to get into Terry Moore stuff because now everything is like now it's easier than ever to get a hold of like old issues or figure out what the fuck's going on in old issues. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, and also to credit um, Rachel Rising, Echo. Strangers in Paradise and uh, Motor Girls all have easily accessible big digital omnibuses. 
So those are worth getting in. Those are easier to get into. They used to be on Comixology, but Comixology will cease to exist in T minus five days. <laughs> so you better hope there it's on Amazon. <laughs> <sighs> five days of time of recording. By the time you're listening to this, Comixology has been dead for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, back to the book as Rachel begins talking about her getting out of the grave and how she had to climb up from another dead body. Yeah, well, okay, so there's a, there's another detail besides that that I found amusing, that she tried to dig and just found that she was just getting more and more dirt. It's like, oh, shit, I'm buried face down. Yeah, so, uh, she, yeah she, to... she couldn't figure out which way was up until she landed on a different dead person. Anyway, yeah. So they, oh, I love that. I yeah, love that. That, <laughs> is, that, is, that is fantastically dark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as uh, Johnny calls the other calls the girls inside, and we meet Doctor. I'm gonna say Simon. I thought it was Seaman, honestly. Yeah, I thought <laughs> so too, but I didn't want to make the joke, so I'm going with Simon. Okay, <laughs> whatever makes you comfortable. <laughs> uh, Jesus, that guy. Yeah, a man who is <laughs> fucking immediately a very, very, very uncomfortable man. That's why it makes me think that it's pronounced Seaman. <laughs> okay, you're probably not wrong. Fuck it, I'll just I'll just call it Seaman. <laughs> as yeah so that, that's how that spelling is usually pronounced uh that's right but even then that yeah. guy is just like Ugh. yeah yeah no it's ugh. very unsettling very unsettling <laughs> yeah yeah he's he's like very like hooked long nose very like uh just just like all smiles at all the time no matter what he's talking about just this big grin on his face that is the most. Yeah, 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 the grin is the most like defining characteristic yeah, of his the, face. The, the, the just com- the grin and the like kindly grandfather look in his eyes as he says the most insane, creepy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, he does he does a lot with very little. Like Dead mentioned it earlier. Like, yeah, he he is very good with expressions. But like, even there's that one scene where they're sitting at the table and you see a side profile of him. There's just like mm-hmm. literally one line on his chin, but the way it's drawn and the way that his head is kind of cocked, it kind of makes him look like he's leering almost. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just like it's it's very well done. Like he does a, like his expressions. In the movement of the kid, like he he he's very good at that. I will say Terry Moore is a very good cartoonist when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe not in the details or every, or maybe some you know, like I said, very fine line work, but very good at that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and as we like getting close, and then we could see like on the back of his neck these like weird like warts or polyps or something. Yeah, that, that yeah. they're like kind of like crawling out of his collar. So I'm thinking it's just like that is all over his body, and he's just wearing like long sleeve clothing, just hide it. Yeah, yeah, possibly, particularly since he has to. Uh, we see what's in his house. <laughs> yeah, as we get our next, no, you're not Rachel, as he then says what she is, Mama Lai, the angel of death. All right. Yes, yeah, so he's not all there. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zoe, she's been found. This is going to go bad. As, yeah, so she the is. Balls uh, on this fucking guy, honestly. Yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, so, so they're in like a, they're in like a, I don't know, like a social services building. Yeah, as, and immediately they just, speaking of going to creepy shit. <laughs> yeah, as Zoe had been, uh, Zoe had been basically found on the side of the road, um, like coming back to her house, which had burned down, and she got picked up by social services, and they have called a foster couple to just like house her for a couple days until they could figure out where she could actually, where she actually needs to go. The worker explains the situation to the, to Mr. And Mrs. Boyle, as it's like, oh, nice couple, they're, they're gonna be, they're gonna be great, as uh, Mrs. Boyle kind of comes off to go sign some paperwork. Leaving Zoe alone with Mr. Boyle, who then immediately is like, well, hey there, Zoe, you're a cute one, ain't you? 
It's like literally those are his first two lines of dialogue. I, you know, it's just it, again very surprising that like as soon as they walk out of earshot, like he kind of. I don't even like, know if they were out of earshot. It, it's pretty crazy. Like I, it's just like how comfortable is this guy, and how long has he been doing this to be like just right away, just like in it? Yeah, like you the, know what I mean. Like the I thought that's, instant, that, he had that an opportunity. Was that was shocking. Yeah, that was shocking. Honestly. Yeah. Well, and like also some of the lines from Doctor Siemens, uh, just. Intent, like you were mentioning creepy, just the way he chooses to phrase things just makes you uncomfortable, where he says things like, life and death are always together. You are jumping way Cover. ahead, Bernie. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll save it for then, because it's one of my favorite lines, but I'll stop. Yeah, we are, we are still there. talking about, we, the guy hasn't even been thrown to the wall yet. Oh, okay. Sorry. Wrong creepy guy. Too many creepy guys. Uh, yeah, I've never yeah. seen Birdie like this. He's shot out of a fucking cannon. This <laughs> yeah, I I am honestly surprised he hasn't gone like well in volume seven. But I don't anyway. think I ever awesome. thought about it. <laughs> Alrighty. So yeah, he's just he's just very 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 specifically going like, hey, we're gonna get along great. We're gonna do stuff. You ain't gonna tell nobody, is you? I'm giving him the voice because that's people. the voice I assume. That's yeah. It's, yeah, and as people. as he's and as he's doing oh, this, that's not. Yeah, and as he's doing that. The blonde woman is just very slowly walking in from the back of the frame. Yep. And so Zoe's like, "Hey, you you have you have hurt a lot of kids. Touch me. I'm gonna tell him. I'm gonna tell this fucking social worker." So he immediately goes. So he immediately just begins digging his thumb into her shoulder. I love that little detail. Yep. And, it, and, and I love the way she phrases, "Oh, you're fucked." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mister, and- I have a secret friend who watches over me. Every time I see her, somebody dies. No shit. Where's your friend now, smart girl? Right behind you. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally just launched down a hallway. Like smashes into the wall, breaks the fucking plaster. As she runs to the elevator and he gets his head stuck in it. And elevator uh, is going down. Yeah. Oh, God, that was... uh, And he knew it was going to happen, too. And they saw it. They showed it on his face that he knew it was going to happen. Oh, that was so gross. Yeah, it's great. Like, like, he's in there just, like, like head stuck. And and, uh, social workers in there is like, Zoe, open the door. Open the door right now. And she just, finger up, hits the first floor. Oh, it's great. I also like the uh, time that he dedicates to... uh, Although, you know, it's not a... Uh, it's a it's a small a smaller cast, but it, I like how he's focusing on so many of the other characters already. This many issues in, yeah, like it's not just all Rachel all the time. Like I I I, I think yeah, it's but, pretty smart. But but importantly, he, he's giving weight to the characters that matter. So this isn't like a yeah. like a Frankenstein Agents of Shade or a Demon Knights thing <laughs> where I don't yeah. know who I'm supposed to care about Absolutely. or what's going on. Yeah. It's just investing me in the stuff I'm supposed to care about. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's why I said to dead. I'm like, kind of like, this is kind of a getting the band together. Cause by the end of this volume, these are the main characters moving forward. Everybody in this volume essentially. Right. And then, yeah. you know, there's and, other stuff, but yeah. Yeah. And like having things kind of spread out, having things spread out from a central nucleus of like Rachel, it helps like build the world out in a way that isn't like overwhelming. Yeah. There's like there's like having having like more stuff going on with the blonde the blonde ghost having Zoe having her whole fucking adventure it it all it all just works like have this story feel like there is more going on than just a woman came back from the dead right 
Yeah, I know it's it's well done. He obviously has a clear idea of what he like where the story is headed. It's not like like Bertie had said. It's not like hey, here's some characters over here and there's some other people over here. <laughs> it's like somehow they're all gonna come together. Just just you watch, and it it, it never actually delivers on that promise, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no. Yeah. Alrighty. As we move on to the final issue of this volume, issue six, back to the dinner with Doctor Seaman, the creepy man. And this is where the birdie, this is where what birdie was talking about came up where, yeah, no, where there's, where like they're talking and Johnny is basically like having a philosophical debate with Dr. Seaman where Seaman's like, where Seaman's like talking about like a death and life as like not states of being, but actual beings themselves. Yeah. The line he says, which is the creepiest for me is I submit to you that life and death are indeed entities who cohabitate. And copulate everything in and out of being. And then he has this like weird squee face yeah. on the next panel after that. It's like, ah! Yeah, just like hands up in front of the mouth, like big old smile, like fucking expect one leg to kick out from underneath the table. It is, it is deeply unsettling. And Johnny is having fucking none of it. <laughs> you know what's funny? I actually never noticed it uh, till now. But the it, it, in that last panel where after like he he kind of bids them they bid him adieu and he's kind of like sitting there on the porch like uh, waving, he he's drawn to look like this actor Henry Gibson, oh, uh, really? who I actually had to look up because I because I, I, I know him from some films but I didn't actually know his name. If you look up a picture of this guy, he actually kind of reminds me of him. Like I don't know if he purposely drew him to look like this dude, but if if the, if he tried to base it off of anybody in real life, he actually oh, yeah, looks I can like see him it. in that panel. You see what I mean? Uh, like yeah, I, can kind of I, I can see. Oh yeah, 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 I can see it. Yeah, uh, huh. oh, I've never oh, I do recognize him. Okay, yes. Yeah, he I've yeah, never he noticed was, that. He was the leader of the Illinois Nazis and the Blues Brothers. <laughs> he's, he's, he's also in that. Uh, in that's that, the picture. That late '80s movie, The Burbs. With yes, that he was also in The Burbs. <laughs> he was also in Gremlins Two: The New Batch. That's right. I, I ah, mostly know him from ah, that Tom Hanks film. Actually, uh, <laughs> that was a that was a weird movie. I love Gremlins Two. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. Yeah, yeah Gremlins it, Two it, is it, great. It's not the first one, but it's fucking great. Yeah, the first one is a classic. The second one is a great fuck it movie. Is yeah, how I had to describe it. <laughs> the second the second absolutely. one is in terms of quality very close to Critters. Where Critters <laughs> yeah, is, but I. But it's more fun than Critters. Critters I was, always kind of bored I wasn't, me. You know? I wasn't saying that is a bad thing. Okay. Because right. I, I remember fucking loving Critters. Because it, cause like Critters, off topic, fuck it, whatever. Critters, it always, like, it always from the outside looking in felt like just a fucking Gremlins ripoff. And it basically is. But they do enough right. different with the premise. Because the things aren't just like insane, like chaos monsters. They are like smart, intelligent beings that are like have a plan. They just, they just like... Their language is so they look like fucking insane murder monsters. <laughs> yeah, you know, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm familiar with Critters. I don't feel like I've ever watched it though, to be honest. I've watched, I've watched the Gremlins movies, but, but yeah, huh? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, they head off. Doctor Simon, Doctor Seaman looks like fucking Henry Gibson, and then we cut over to a woman walking down the side of the road covered in dirt. As hey, it's yeah. that fucking lady what fell off the roof and got a snake in her gullet. Yeah. Don't mind me. I just found this picture of Henry Gibson. I just felt I needed to share it, given what we've been talking about. <laughs> That's a weird one. That is a weird one. Anyway, yeah. So uh, as as she's walking along the side of the road, a 
Uh, truck pulls over a for Ortiz Carpets out of Ma- out of Manson, and yeah, Manson, Massachusetts, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Which makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As what I thought would happen to Rachel happens to this woman. Right. As 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 she's like, just take me home, and he's like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, yeah, I could take you there. How about get how about like, how about how about get a look at you? I'm practically a doctor, you know. Just how about we do something here, you know? Make sure I ain't feeling no pain. Right. As she then barfs a snake out at him. Yeah. It eats his face and then slithers back into her mouth. <laughs> yep. And her eyes are also red. Yeah. I I don't know if it's being set up like the red is just a thing that happens to everyone, or if it was specifically a Rachel thing and that he just forgot about that as he was writing. Yeah, so I don't um so there is a third person, I think, who has the same eye color in the last page. Yep, we'll get there. If I remember correctly. But yeah, that, that's, just, just, I mean, that's when I was going to bring it up, but I forgot that that happened earlier. Okay, right. so yeah, let's let's get to, let's get to there before I talk about it. Yeah, as we cut back over to the gang as they're putting their Scooby Doo shit on and trying to, and Rachel's still trying to prove that there was another woman there. Yep. As we see, as she points out the blood stain, and then the car Rachel landed on where there is not a drop of blood, and Jet brings up the very, very helpful point of, hey, maybe you bounced. Because they were fat ass. He makes a joke. Yeah. yeah she's like, uh, yeah. Was... <laughs> I liked that. Yeah. yeah. She's like, why am I friends with you? There was a similar joke. That, I think there was another joke. I think Jet made at Rachel's expense earlier when they yes. was like, when they were coming out here. It was like, I wish you could be in the Camaro. It's like, well, hey, you can always sit on the Camaro. I know you like it over there. It's like, oh, that's the last time I talked to you about my fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I just again like the 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 response to from these two to, uh uh does feel very genuine because yeah, well she's like, why am I friends with you? She's like, because I'm cute. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, she's like, all right, <laughs> you love my personality. No, I don't. <laughs> yep. As they find Zoe hiding behind a dumpster, uh, at which point um Zoe and Rachel see the blonde woman down the down the road, but Jet and Uncle uh Jet and Aunt Johnny don't. Which is the first time we've ever gotten the idea that she can actually hide from people. Yeah, or maybe she's not, like, there. corporeal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as uh, Rachel goes over to talk to her, and, yeah, just cutting back and forth between the two of them, they look exactly the same. Yeah, and in this case, this, I think, is intentional, but I also agree with your criticism. Because, like, what, so the wording is, uh, let's see, you don't remember me, do you? I remember the move, do I know you? Usually you remember something that ruins everything, but this time, nothing, and now it's too late. Yeah, as uh, as the woman then turns into a, like, like the style of dress changes where she gives, like, a... Yeah, she weird, changes like, to the 17th, yeah, 17th or 18th century and says, do you remember the snow, sister? Sister. And then she disappears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as uh, they all get in the car and begin driving off. As we cut back to Dr. Seaman. As it brings it was in, just as creepy as we thought. <laughs> yep, as he brings in a lovely plate of spaghetti for his wife, his wife, Ugh. who is a corpse. I'm assuming. Yep. Yeah, for like, uh, they say it in here like thirty years. Thirty thirty years. He's just been sitting in yeah. at, at, on his couch. There's some psycho type going on here. He, oh, yeah, nice. I would say it's got a smell, but he he probably he's a corridor, so he probably knows how to cover um, up corpse smell. <laughs> yeah. Or he doesn't, or he doesn't need to cover it up because he's a coroner. Like this doesn't seem like the kind of guy who invites people over. No, probably <laughs> not. This is this is a very uh 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 what's his name from Psycho? Uh, Norman Bates. Norman, Norman Bates. Bates yeah. Situation. <laughs> yeah, as uh they 
are driving off. Um, Rachel's in the back of the car talking to Zoe as she's asked, like, hey, why like, hey, why can't nobody see her? Why why can't we hide from her? What's going on? What is she? And Zoe says, she's a witch. And they get into a car crash. Yeah, speaking of Final Destination, anytime I see fucking Rebar, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh, fuck. Like, when I seen that yeah. Rebar, like, going through her, I'm just like, oh, man. After she has to, like, pull it out of herself, right? I'm like, yeah. Is that from back. two or three? That's from two. Two, I think? Yeah. Well, it, okay. it, 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 like, it, was, it was, um... To this day, that scares me when I see that on the highway. Like, you know, honestly, yeah, like, it, that's so, one of those things where, like, rebar is fucking crazy yeah, so, that hits you. You're so done. it wasn't actually rebar. It was, I believe, um, like, logs. Wasn't it rebar? No, it was, it was like, oh, lumber. there's a logs. Yeah, that's a yeah. logs one. No, there, there's a rebar. There, 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 there is a rebar one in one of them. Okay. That might be five, because if I remember correctly, five's the other one with the really bad car wreck on a highway scene. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. The bridge oh, collapses. Yeah. Yeah. They're all on a suspension bridge, and then like it just starts collapsing. And I believe one oh, yeah, dude does right. get like rebarred to hell. Yeah. And two, it is the logs. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Final Destination 5 was way better than it had any right to be. <laughs> I've never gotten to it because I tried watching two with Caveman. We got halfway through it and he said, let's just stop this forever. I have watched every single Final Destination movie multiple times. Okay, you have a very different it. you have a very different opinion of it of those of those movies than Caveman. Yes, even the fourth one, and the fourth one is dog shit. <laughs> I enjoy three as a stupid movie. Three is but, uh, three is hilarious to me. I love three <laughs> so much because it because every single death is their fault. Yeah, it's 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 a bunch of absurdly comedic Rube Goldberg situations. <laughs> hey, that's Foundation Nation, baby. But it's funnier because they show because like because like every single one of the Final Destination movies is, hey, we have a hint about someone's death, and then their death happens. But with three, they get a hint about their death, and then their actions directly cause the chain of events that lead to their death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's great. I am a hilariously dark person. Yeah. <laughs> Which anyway. might be why you enjoyed this book. So Nico picked well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so uh, yeah, they, they, they recover from the car crash. Um, Rachel wakes up with a piece of rebar through her sternum. Yep. Yeah. Uh, as Jet is uh, le- as Jet is leaning up against uh, one of the cars, uh, bleeding out horrendously from a wound in her stomach, from the looks of it. Yep. She pulls out the rebar, goes in, and uh, Jet's like, "Hey, help Johnny!" Uh, goes over to Johnny, and uh, Johnny can't feel her legs. John- Johnny's alive, but they're handicapped now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As uh, Jet bleeds out in Rachel's arms, and it is yeah. so fucking sad. Where she's, it's where, tragic. Yeah, yeah she's particularly like, with the snow. Yeah, she's like, hey, don't. Yeah, she's like, don't let them burn me. Why isn't anybody waiting for me when I die? Because she's she's yeah, thinking it, like, uh, uh, uh. yeah, it's so dark. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I have a question. Uh, do you feel they should have left on that moment, or should we have gotten? No, that I, 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 I can see ending on that moment being a good ending moment, but I think for this series. That ending page is necessary because it just kind of okay further adds the hook to the mystery. Yeah, I will say that. I will. I will say though, the transition between that and the final page is some it's weird. Too por- abrupt. It's a it's weird too- Porky Pig thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's what I'm saying because as much as that last moment on the last page kind of got me again interested to see what happens next. I think it would have been just as effective with that fucking la- the other page where you cheat. Yeah, I could, al- I could also see. 
Yeah, I could also see the first page of volume two being this panel, but either yeah. way, the page is necessary. It's if, just depending on placement. If they had like, if Terry Moore had like two or three more pages to like build up to this, I think it would have worked way better. But just being the one panel of, hey, here's Jet's head, and the t- here's here's like Jet's head on like the autopsy table, and then go to the next panel, and go to the next page of three panels of that, and then last panel she opens her eyes. Right. That doesn't work. Because you know, you, yeah. need, you need you need the build up there to like be oh yeah she's fully dead they move her here and then it happens like like having it just be we just be she's dead no she's not yeah doesn't fully work yeah like I mean if he wanted to do that what he could have did was make it a full page spread of her opening her eyes at the end or something like that like a zoomed in kind of shot maybe or, uh, uh, without adding you know, extra pages you know what would have helped more with the again referencing the Porky Pig thing. If the circular panel you referenced dead was not from the page where she wakes up, but was a close-up, close-in of Jet's dead bo- head, dead body with Rachel laying against her dead. If yeah. that was like the panel they ended, if they used that as that panel, and that the next page was the same panel, it would still work better without having more pages. But I do agree with you that the transition from that dark, depressing ending to the da-da-da is too abrupt. Yeah. Uh, so, actually, other things. So, when Jet wakes up, she has the red eyes, which I guess is now just a thing that is established as what happens when you come back from the dead. Yeah. Would it have so, been better if, like, same thing happened throughout, but, like, that last panel of, like, of, like the close-up on Jet's face as Rachel's, like, holding her, and she realizes she's dead, if her eyes were, like, beginning to darken in that panel would that have been better yes that could have been good too like her eyes open and they start turning red not immediately red that would also mm-hmm. have worked as well yeah yeah i, I didn't think I, I didn't think of that yeah that, that would have been all right yeah i just don't think like 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 dead had mentioned it, this is such a fucking gut punch uh, tragic unexpected moment here at the end of this issue that although that did kind of intrigue me like obviously seeing that revealed despite knowing that it happens i i would have been fine if they honestly if they just ended it with this side of the road shit that happened here and then yeah, and if no, they did the red both, eye thing both are you know, good moments they have different emotional meanings uh, yeah. I can see both working, but they ju- it just depends on how they play it. Yeah, yeah. and also, yeah. boy, with that moment, it, uh, uh, I don't know what volume you have, Dead. Uh, I have the volume I got from Miko. Uh, the last line on the back cover, given what we just read, is amusingly stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel oh, Rising will haunt you for life <laughs> and death. <laughs> Who gave that quote? It's a, it, that's not even a pull quote. That's just the description oh. on the back of the book. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, come on, Terry. Come on. <laughs> would that be a Terry thing that's or would that be like a, or that have been his wife? <laughs> I don't know, but that's kind of like. I was like going to say, would it have been the publisher, but like his wife's the publisher? Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's cheesy. That is I very cheesy. That. Yeah. <laughs> and that was volume one of Rachel Rising. Which, uh, did we say the title of this first volume? I love. Uh, we did not say the title of the first volume. The Shadow of Death. <laughs> you know what? It, it's a pretty, pretty easy breezy read. Honestly, like it's, it's, it, it flows really well. Like I, oh, yeah, I don't, it, I, I didn't. It's, yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's, it, it's it, it moves along in a decent clip. Um, does does enough like setting up of like making you intrigued about what's going to be happening next. It just for me that was it. Like this is 
this is not a issue. That's not a volume that I would go like, oh, yeah, you got to read this volume of the book. It's just kind of a thing of like, hey, this is like, hey, read it sequentially. You have to read this. It going back to an Oda thing. It's kind of an East Blue saga. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I, I will say the the stuff after this is not nearly as skippable as the stuff immediately after the East Blue saga. But <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, I see. How your dare argument. you? The Twin Capes is necessary. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally one of the Straw Hats' backstories and motivations for doing the joining the crew. It is, but... <laughs> <laughs> and as we all know, that fight between Zoro and Luffy had to happen. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> man, season two of that Netflix show is going to be weird. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. But anyway, yeah, so, uh, Nico, your thoughts, I guess, uh, issue, I mean, volume one. I keep saying issue. Yeah, no, it's all right. Yeah, no, I st- I still thoroughly enjoyed it. I was trying to be a- <laughs> purposely ambiguous in the chat, like uh, in our group chat. I know B- Birdie was like, oh, no, I can't be the only positive person about this book going into it. And he thought I was because I was like, yeah, it was all right. Like, no, yeah, I still yeah, thoroughly you, you, enjoyed yeah, you were, it. You were very uh, you were very like tepid on it. I was just trying not to kind of be like, you know what I mean? I've, I, yeah. it's, I'm revisiting it again for like the, this is my second time reading it right so like i wasn't trying to like uh you know he was kind of really hyped for it so that was kind of just trying to let him you know you know go into this conversation being really positive about it without me kind of giving my two cents right i was yeah. saving it for the show in that sense so um but yeah no i i still like it um it, it i think it's it may be my favorite thing that he's done um, it does lose me at some point. It gets a little confusing, I think, further into the series. If I can comment on, uh, you know, on the future of the book, um, but and you know, but then again, I I was reading the last couple of volumes as they were coming out. So I think if you if you consecutively like sat down and you had the whole series and you read through it, I'm I, I I'm sure it's going to be a very satisfying and uh, you know un- understandable read. Like there's a lot of backstory yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah, that goes into some of these characters um, and other stuff going on with the town, not to spoil anything as you get further into it. But uh, as a first volume, I think it's great. It's it's a great first volume. And, and like I said, the highest praise I can give it was when, by the, when I finished reading this, I was like, oh, I would like to read more of this again because it's, it's, it's a great book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, alrighty then. Uh, Birdie, you've been... <laughs> Birdie, you're happy. Yeah, so what do you How think of Birdie? Yeah, so what do you think of Birdie? Like a three out of five? <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna I'll go I'll go four. I'm not gonna go ten. I'm gonna go four, four and a half, but no, I'll go four and a half, because I I agree with you. There are minor flaws, but the stuff I really like about this, I really, really like. I like the dialogue with the characters, I like how these people interact with each other, I like the grim the grim gallows humor. It's not full gallows humor, despite the fact that there's people being hung and dying, but it, uh, it hey, doesn't quite please. get hanged. Sorry. Yeah, I had but, I I had that drilled into me. I do not remember why. Okay, but some of this might be a bit because I I love Terry Moore and I love all of Terry Moore's books with varying degrees. Like none of the books I've read from Terry Moore would drop below a three. So. Okay. So and this is on the higher end because, like I said, some of his other books are a tad too complicated, so they take a little bit more effort to engage with. Like, mm-hmm. 
I don't know if this is a spoiler or not for Echo Nico since it comes so early on, but the premise of it being that the main superheroine is a normal girl who is wearing a suit of liquid metal armor that is possessed by a ghost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah, which is it, it's it's funny because like that's supposed to be like his sci-fi superhero type story, like in terms of like I guess he had to put a genre on it. But um, I actually like Echo less than I like this series, to be honest with you. Like yeah, I didn't mind Echo, it but over, it kind of gets overcomplicated. Yeah, and but the but as I just said, I feel it are not as fun as in this because r- strangely I, dealing with dead people makes dealing with the coming apocalypse of. Slightly more entertaining. I don't know why. <laughs> right, right. Well, but I, I did. I will say though, to your point there, like I, I, like I said though, I did also feel like I, I experienced that a bit of confusion further into this series. But by the end mm-hmm. of it, I thought it wrapped up excellent, like excellently. So I didn't. That didn't bother me. But I did lose the thread. I think at some point of this series uh, as well, right? Maybe that's why he's writing smaller stuff now and he's not doing like 40 issue things, right? But yeah, I think maybe. it has more to do with sales than anything, right? Yeah, yeah but, that, that's probably uh, that's probably the more apt yeah. thing because like, like we hear stories about how people working for the fucking big two can barely afford anything. Right. But, and we kind of are like, eh, but uh, this I believe. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, this is all him. Like he's writing and drawing and inking this and lettering it. Like yeah. this is him. Maybe, maybe so, for like, being, maybe if we're being generous, his wife is writing the pull quotes on the back of the books. But uh, <laughs> <right>. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's good for this episode. Thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back at some point before the year's done. Who knows? Hopefully. Yeah. Until then, though, I'm dead. I am for a moment more positive birdie. And Nico. And we will see y'all next time.